Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. This week is a, is a pretty tough week. Jenny, man, you have been talking for the past few days, and it's been a really tough time for uh, Cubans and Cuban Americans right now. And I want to thank you for just emotionally <laughs> being here with me today because I can empathize with how you feel right now. You're probably one of the only non Cuban people that I know <laughs> that can empathize with exactly what I'm going through right now. It's crazy so. how Cuban Americans and Venezuelan Americans, I, <laughs> I always feel like Cuban Americans are like, you know, 50 years in the future, <laughs> <laughs> like Venezuelan Americans and Venezuelans were like 50 years behind, but we're basically on the same track. And there's so much nuance, both in identity and politics that very few people understand, but that so many people feel like they can comment on. Like Cuba and Venezuela are two places that a lot of people hang their hats to speak their piece, to use to further their own politics within the states. And you right now are being torn in many different directions. And I think a lot of Cuban Americans right now are feeling desperate. Yes. So before we delve in to this topic more thoroughly, I want to preface everything by saying that, yes, I'm going to talk about how this has affected me as a person, as a Cuban American living in the diaspora. But no matter how shitty I've been feeling since July 11th and my whole goddamn life, to be honest, because again, I, I still have family there. My grandparents left behind multiple siblings. And therefore, I have tons of cousins in Cuba. I have neighbors that really assisted my grandparents before they left on the freedom flights who sacrificed a lot for my grandparents. And now their kids are alive. And my mom keeps in contact with them frequently on WhatsApp. In fact, my mom and I just went shopping together when she was visiting. And we bought tons of supplies to send it to our neighbors and family members in Cuba, because again, they have absolutely nothing. And so I know how much they're suffering. I, because of tech, the technology now, and that I'm able to now see them face to face through FaceTime and WhatsApp, I see the conditions in which they're living in. And so I remind myself, no matter how shitty I feel every day waking up, especially this week, no matter how bad I feel when I'm attacked, <laughs> by anyone regarding the situation, it is nothing in comparison 
to what the people of Cuba are going through. And so for the lack of a better term, I need to suck it up. I remind myself of that every day because I am extremely privileged. I'm extremely privileged because of the sacrifice that my grandparents made. And I know I have it so much better. And so I am sucking it up. I think Jenny empathize so much because when I felt terrible and I felt terrible about the whole Venezuela issue and it's like oh yeah my aunt can't like buy food unless my mom gives her like dollars and Mm -hmm. my cousin his business is failing because he just doesn't have the parts for him to be a mechanic it's just like complete and utter disaster and I never spoke out about how I felt and how bad I felt because I felt guilty but I do think that there is a necessary catharsis and I hope that this conversation gives that to you and to others because yeah. it doesn't invalidate what you're feeling. Yeah. And I also want our listeners who are in the same boat, do- doesn't necessarily mean that they're Cuban, but obviously, especially those that are Cuban and going through it with me this week, I don't want them to feel alone. It's why even, you know, tomorrow I'm hosting a small little Cuban dinner at my place with some L.A. Cubans to to have that camaraderie and that safe space to vent and to be in each other's company because we need each other more than ever right now. And again, there was a woman in Cuba who I translated a video for. She was pleading the rest of Latin America and the Caribbean to also speak out against the Cuban government to also fight for Cuba because Cuba's freedom is going to be monumental for the rest of Latin America. It's really hard to wrap my mind around this. I think this is a moment that I've been waiting for my whole life. I can only imagine (laughs) the rest of the Cubans living in the diaspora have been um, waiting on and I remember at a very young age wondering, why are the Cuban people not protesting? Why are they not flat out rioting in the streets? I've seen so many other countries do that when there are humanitarian injustices going on. But for some reason, the the Cuban community in, in, on the island was always very silent. They were scared. I remember back then when my family would call you know our our the rest of our family in cuba and neighbors and old friends and it was it felt very much like harry potter and voldemort like he who must not be named like mm-hmm. you couldn't even slightly hint at the regime or castro or anything negative about the government because they were always monitored they were mm-hmm. afraid that the cuban government was tapping into their phone conversations. That is the kind of fear that the Cuban people have been living in for decades. Mm -hmm. And that's why nobody really, people who would stand up would go to jail. It was this just horribly abusive relationship that has lasted over 60 years. And so that's why it's such a big deal, because a lot of my friends or people that aren't Cuban and they're like, well, what what's new about this? Like Cubans have been suffering. Like, why is this such a big deal? I'm like, because they're finally saying, fuck you. Another thing that I think is really mind boggling about this whole situation is that it is impossible to understand what it is like to be a Cuban in Cuba. 
even though Venezuelans have more of a connection to the outside world, significantly more, I see a correlation in people, especially in the States, <laughs> being like, well, uh, and this happens in Venezuela, but like, well, there were free and fair elections. And it's like, well, you think there's fair and free elections because that's what you li you're living in. But the reality of my country is that it's not fair and free elections. There's a lot of coercion. There's a lot of repression. There's a lot of muddling the numbers. Or when they say, oh, there's all of these newspapers. This is something that that a lot of like super left-wing Americans say, like there's 60 uh, newspapers in Venezuela. And it's like, actually, all of the newspapers and media of dissidents have been silenced. And all the newspapers are funded by the government. So there's this exterior sort of reference point that a lot of people are making. And then when they look within Cuba, they they have this sort of perception of their reality as the, the benchmarks versus what is actually happening. So you see a lot of Americans like, and you know, Europeans, whatever, it's like, oh, healthcare and abortion access and all of these things that, yeah, I guess it is true for Cuba, but they're ignoring a huge fact, which is there's a lot of, of repression of, of silencing of actually lack of stuff. There's a lack of medicine, there's lack of food, but that's mm -hmm. all silenced. It's that people have truly romanticized both Cuba and Venezuela to the point that it feels like they're sticking their fingers in their ears and going, blah, 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 blah. I'm not listening. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. They don't want to know the truth. I've had so many ignorant people tell me, well, the health care and the literacy, their education is top notch. They have the best doctors. And I'm like, then please tell me mm -hmm. why my family in Cuba is suffering from various ailments that they don't even have a diagnosis to because they can't even see a doctor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's and then when people go to the island, they're like, oh, well, everyone seemed real charming. And, you know, the stores were full of good items and food. And I'm like, because you're a tourist, you piece of shit. You like, have dollars. <laughs> fuck, man. Like, you're a fucking tourist. That's what they want you to see. They don't they're not going to throw you into the pits of what most Cuban people live through. Mm -hmm. Of course. And then it's also this uh, and I see this a lot, but I think we're in an era where and I, I think we've talked about this in the past where politics and ideology has become very religious in nature. So people blind themselves from fact to question their logic. So there's a lot of, of my friends that are left-wing and they're left-wing in the States. And I am a Democrat in the United States. I am fully Democrat in the United States. But then they, when they look outwards, they see the world within the same binary. So for them to say there is a left-wing dictatorship, they're like, Bernie Sanders will never be a dictator. And it's like, human beings uh. are human beings, dude. Anyone has the capacity of being a tyrant, of repressing his people, of silencing, of using violence and fear tactics. There is no political a wing that is uh, immune to human nature, to the depths and the despair of, of a lot of human nature. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Let go with ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Yeah. What has been the hardest thing for you? Like, I remember in 2018 when I started... It, it almost felt like my whole identity revolved around the Venezuelan crisis and the Venezuelan political situation. I felt like I lost myself within it. I felt like I needed to be fully Venezuelan and the one explainer and it had to be all of me. And it like drained me to the point of that's all I could be. Is that how you have been feeling? I feel like I'm in this really bizarre upside down. Because I, and I want to preface this by saying that I have been receiving a lot of love and support by both Cubans and non-Cubans alike. I don't want people to think that I'm solely dealing with negativity and backlash and, and all that. But to cover the negative aspect of things, I, I have obviously received negative backlash from both the left and the right here in the States, whether Cuban or non-Cuban. When you speak out, and, I, and again, I know you've experienced this, Joanna, but when as a progressive Cuban or Venezuelan in the U.S. speaks out against the Cuban government, you're automatically thrown into the alt-right bucket mm -hmm. by the left. It's that binary. It's the binary that you were talking about. So then that that's happening. Mm -hmm. Then on the other side of things, I have some Cuban people attacking me saying, well, everything that you're posting about Cuba, everything that you're doing for Cuba right now has no meaning to me because you voted Democrat. You voted for Biden. Mm -hmm. So then that's happening. Right. So both sides. Again, this is not across the board. There have been many loving and supportive people. but. All it takes is just a couple of really dark voices to really bring me down. Yeah, um, no, dude, I understand completely. Because we know our hearts. We know that at the end of the day, this is a humanitarian crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm so disappointed in a lot of my activist friends and organizations on the left that are either completely silent on the matter or they're solely blaming the U.S. Embargo. embargo on, yes. And, and I have to say it, but a lot of progressive Cuban Americans are severely disappointed in the Black Lives Matter organization. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they instead of speaking out against the tyrannical regime, they spoke out against the U.S. embargo, which there's something really um, patriarchal and condescending about a lot of what I hear for the same thing in Venezuela. Dude, I seriously feel like They're like Cuba and Venezuela are twins separated at birth that go through the exact same things at different times. It's bizarre, but people say, oh, it's the sanctions that have caused the Venezuelan economic crisis. That angers me. That's telling me that you think Venezuelans are incapable 
<laughs> and this is this is kind of counterintuitive, but the Venezuelans are incapable of fucking shit up themselves. Like every country is capable of fucking shit up itself. Do you think the U.S. is really that like important? It's really self self aggrandizing in a weird way that that it's like the US is you know yes the US had a lot of problematic interventions through a lot of the 20th century I, i'm not going to dispute that but you can't you know hinge every time a latin american country goes south and it is a left wing government you can't hinge it that it's the us's and the cia's fault when that just minimizes what we're going through and the capacity of the people of their country to make the mistakes and to fuck shit up. What you're saying is so interesting because we really are, we live the same reality, Jenny. Like in 2018, when I spoke out against, you know, Nicolas Maduro, obviously, mm -hmm. and his silencing and et cetera, I got horrifically harassed by, by the left. I did a speaking engagement about uh, Venezuelan human rights and people arrived and harassed me in the middle of the event. I was doxxed. Russian television did a special about me. And the entire thing made me feel like I was losing the identity I thought I had forged for myself in the States, which was, oh, I'm a Democrat. I vote like generally left-wing in the United States. I'm a little bit more center, but oh, I think I've found the ground that stands for my my values, mm -hmm. human rights. Mm -hmm. And then this these same people turn their back on me and call me a fascist for saying that a dictatorship, although it's left wing, is tyrannical. And then in the elections that just passed, the Venezuel Venezuelan people were attacking me for being pro-Biden and being like, you are the worst Venezuelan to ever walk this earth and you deserve to die. I stand for human rights, no matter what the political party, whatever stands for yes. the rights of people, that is, I am going to stand yep. for that. And I and, and that's what breaks my heart, because, listen, politicians are all shitty, you know, some less shitty than others. People suck. People are money hungry, power hungry. No politician is going to ever align with every single one of my beliefs and your beliefs. When I was young, I was I was young. I didn't know a goddamn thing. I didn't care about politics. And I figured, OK, well, everyone in my family is voting Republican. I guess that's the right thing to do as a Cuban. Mm -hmm. And I remember I voted for Bush not once, but twice. <laughs> like a like a good Cuban. <laughs> like a good Cuban. State Farm is there. Um, I don't know why I thought. Like and, a good and Cuban. So state, I want to apologize. <laughs> state leaders that are problematic is there. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to apologize for that. Okay. I voted for Bush twice. I remember being all about it, but I didn't know a goddamn thing. I had like explosive ADHD, like I'm talking about diarrhea. I had explosive ADHD. I had the worst history teachers. I, again, I just listened to my abuelo, listen to like Radio Mambi fucking all day. And so that's all I knew. But you know, there's, there's something interesting that you said, and it kind of reminded me that, you know, I, I really seek to, 
to empathize with people's point of view and perspective. I have a really, really hard time empathizing with people that have never been to Cuba or never been to Venezuela that have maybe learned about it at some like Latino history class at Brown and then think that they have an opinion on the dictatorship because of the you know, two chapters they read before the test and, uh, you know, talk down to people that are from there or, or say, you can't speak to this because you speak English. You're not from the Island or you're white or you're this. It's like, well, dude, your name is Connor and you live in Midtown. How are you not looking in the mirror and dismissing your own opinion when you're dismissing Venezuelan and Cubans opinions? And I, I do have a little bit more of an empathetic understanding, even though I don't agree with Venezuelans that like threw hate at me for for being against Trump. I can wrap my head around it more, especially those that are still there. Es lo que yo digo, it's called caudillismo. And it's happened in Cuba and it happened in Venezuela, which is the idea of a one-man savior. Venezuela has this narrative of Simón Bolívar, right? This guy came and he liberated us, el caudillismo. And then Hugo Chávez came and like, quote, unquote, stopped poverty, even though poverty increased like by a billion percent. The idea of a savior coming, this whole religious entity of like a virgin, of like apareciendo en un waterfall, right? They focus their caudillismo, their desire of that savior towards Trump. They thought that that was who was going to save them. And even though I (laughs) don't agree and also think it's insane, I can wrap my head around it. And I can also see the weakness in our society for that desire of a savior. You see it a lot. You see it a lot. This is not me excusing them, but I understand the psychology behind why so many Venezuelans and Cubans were so pro-Trump. They are simply staunchly against voting Democrat because they feel that that's that the Democratic Party is headed towards the same direction that Cuba and Venezuela went regarding socialism, which equals communism, which then equals dictatorship and all that. And that's also why I think a lot of people on the left are not saying a goddamn thing. Yeah. Because they, if God forbid, any of these leftist activists speak out against the Cuban government, that they're somehow aligning themselves with the right Mm -hmm. and that their political ideologies are going to be canceled out and rendered false. And these are the same people that were all Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, Mm. So let's just fuck what these poor black and brown people on the island are shouting, which, by the way, is not end the embargo. (laughs) It's It's freedom, dude. Liberty, freedom, please, God, end this cruelty, this tyrannical dictatorship that we have been oppressed by for decades Again, I'm not excusing the the U.S. is is full of bullshit, too. And I honestly can't stand it when people are like, well, if you don't like the U.S., then leave. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. All right. That's horribly illogical. That's dictatorship. I know. I'm like, fuck you. Like, just the same way we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and have introspection and go, you know what? I kind of suck. 
let me seek therapy or let me read a goddamn self-help book. Like we should be critical of ourselves and those in our lives the same way we should be critical again about the people that we put in office, about our own country. What the fuck shit is that to just sit around going, the United States is perfect. Thumbs up. Like, <laughs> bitch, no, this is we're we're a country full of people who think we're like fucking expert movie reviewers. We get pissed off at like end credit scenes of Marvel films. We always we have all these opinions about the dumbest shit on the planet. But then, oh, you criticize this country. No, no, no. That doesn't make me any less proud to be an American. That doesn't make me any less patriotic. But come on, you have to like also look at the flaws of Mm -hmm. of this country. Come on now. You got to look at the flaws of this country and not be and not think that pointing out the flaws of another country mean that you know what I mean? Like, I know. Yeah, it's like everyone's everyone thinks that their political camp has to be pristine and perfect (laughs) when we it should be the opposite. And I think seeing the silence of people not speaking out about Cuba and Venezuela, but then speaking out when Colombia and Chile had its uprising really made me realize that this is an ideological warfare, not a, a, a ploy for human rights. And it's, we got to be blind to, we got to be blind to what political inclinations are in power and just look at the facts. And it was so exhausting to go through what I went through because we talked about this a few days ago, Jenny. It was like, I don't know when I'm online, it's like, oh, I'm used to people telling me I'm ugly or not funny or dumb or stupid, but I've never, there's no feeling that I can explain that made my heart burn more uh, other than nachos than the feeling of like, oh my God, people are claiming I'm evil and yes. and wanting people yes. to suffer in my country because I have some ulterior motive. And that for me was just the most blinding rage I've ever felt. Joanna, man, we have lived nearly identical lives when it comes to this, because that is something I've been expressing to a lot of people this week. I said, I I said the same shit. I said, people can say that I'm like, make people can make fun of my appearance. They could say I'm not funny, that my videos suck, that I'm annoying, that I sound like B. Arthur. I don't (laughs) care what, like, I can handle that. We've been thrown that garbage our whole lives putting ourselves out there on the internet, but for someone to call me evil and to mistake my heart and, and misjudge my character as, as much as people around me are telling me not to give importance to those hateful comments. And it's easier said than done because Mm -hmm. for me, just like you, I love my home country of Cuba so much. I love my culture so much. And then for people who don't know me (laughs) to assume they know me and attack. And it's even more depressing when that hatred is coming from your own Cubans, Hmm. from your own people. That's so interesting because I felt the opposite. Maybe this is my, the, the, what we were talking about, the hyphenated existence that we lived in, but like when I was here in the States and I felt like I belonged here and I spoke out against Maduro, there was no Venezuelans fighting me. There was no Venezuelans in my comment section telling me anything other than support. Mm-hmm. But then 
people that I thought were my friends here thought I was evil. But then when my Venezuelan community riled against, rallied against me when I spoke against Trump, I felt more supported by the people around me here in the States. But it was well, a feeling like I had a UCB show right after some Reddit thread about me went viral and I could see people looking at me. And mm. the hate I received from Venezuelans were mostly Venezuelans in Venezuela that like whatever. And I could still walk around in my life as an American and and be part of like, oh yeah, fuck Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like the people I thought I had forged my identity with here were questioning me, even though they weren't Venezuelan. And they should just listen to maybe what I have to say instead, instead of these talking points. Yeah. But that's interesting. What is it that you feel that makes it feel worse? No, I I will say it's the same thing with me. I think, yeah, like here in the States, when it came to being a, a liberal Democrat, especially living in California, everyone's like, yeah, on the same page as me. And now that I'm speaking out against the Cuban government, I can tell that people are a little eh, but they're not saying anything, but I can sense this weird apprehension. Nobody's really like certain people aren't reaching out to me. I had like this activist Puerto Rican page surprisingly call one of my posts propaganda. <laughs> a Puerto Rican activist page. I'm sorry. Me- they called your post against a dictatorial regime propaganda. propaganda. That is the most ironic fucking set of intellectual recovecos that someone has to know. take. To, oh my god! But I mean, again, thank like thankfully, I am getting a lot of love from the Cuban people because mm-hmm. obviously, I'm <laughs> even with the Cubans who voted right and and, and who voted for Trump are on my side right now because I we're all on the same page of like, fuck the Cuban regime. And I can tell in this moment, I'm turning off a lot of people on the left, but I'm, I'm proud of a lot of my progressive Cuban American friends calling people out on their shit, calling out leftist organizations. Again, I have to use the BLM organization as a massive example. I was terrified by the way of doing that. I had a bunch of people that the moment they made that statement. I had a bunch of DMs. Jenny, are you going to call out BLM? I was panicking because again, I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. I was, I'm pro BLM. I am not one of these all lives matter motherfuckers (laughs) and I never will be. And so, but then I had to realize, Jenny, this is an organization. And like most organizations, they can be corrupt. People are shitty. The people who run the BLM organization do not represent all freaking black people in the U.S. So I'm always going to be, from an ideological standpoint, pro-Black Lives Matter because black lives do matter. But I can still speak out against Mm -hmm. the organization. And again, people on the right might be laughing at me like, look at this Nazi bitch. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck they what they might think. Look at this. Look at this commie bitch who voted against her own people by voting in Biden or whatever. Ha ha. Look what BLM is doing now. And I'm like, I'm not embarrassed because at the end of the day, I don't just blindly kiss politicians asses or the asses of any anybody, even the pope. 
people are people. People can be corrupt. And I wish people use that philosophy, particularly like people I know, people on the left here in the States, to criticize yes. politicians and tyrannies of the quote unquote left, which by the way, it that isn't left anymore. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's like once it's a tyrannical force, it's just a tyranny. <laughs> like leave your fucking communist manifesto and your Marxist spark notes aside. <laughs> you know, the reality is you don't understand the reality. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. And it's very interesting because I got a lot of shit from Venezuelans when I posted about Black Lives Matter a lot. And there was a lot of misinformation. They were like, oh, black people have rights in, in Venezuela. Ven- Venezuelans don't have rights. And it was Venezuelans misinterpreting with very little information and with absolutely no understanding of the complexity of the situation. They were they were imposing their opinion on something that they just should not really express an opinion on because they don't understand. And I see the same with some organizations like the official statement of BLM. The official statement of BLM had no idea. It, it, it was very uninformed by the real Cuban experience. Yep. It was it was easier for them. And it's easy for a lot of people to just follow what they think is right so that it fits their worldview yeah. than to question it and to criticize something that makes it more complicated. We want to always simplify and stuff like this is fucking complicated. Esto no es, this isn't a, this isn't a fucking pizza, dude. This mm. is like a crazy ass stew with a bunch of shit. And like, sometimes it tastes like stuff. So you have to add more salt to it. And then it tastes too salty. You add sugar. Like you got to keep, you got to, that is what your opinion should be. You got to keep adding stuff to it. And it's complex. I feel that it's cowardly and selfish to be honest. Because all they're thinking about is holding on to their dear U.S. politics ideologies and not giving a goddamn fuck about the people on the island, which once again, a lot of them are people of color. So (laughs) it is immensely hypocritical. It's been making me sick to my stomach. And I'm going to call out hypocrisy on all fronts here. Yeah. For 25 years. Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. It's always a constant push and pull when these things happen, and I feel like I've. it's the only time I'm jealous of my friends that are only one thing because I feel so lost. And like, I don't know where I belong. Uh, it's it's almost like there's not a place where there's peace. You know, you're it's so, constantly yeah. like just you don't belong here. Like the the American left wing, I don't belong here. The Venezuelan right wing, I don't belong here. The American right wing, I don't belong here. The Venezuelan right, I don't belong. I don't belong here. I don't. But I think that belonging to a political ideology is awful. 
Yeah. I don't think you should belong to that. That is an that is an opinion and 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 something that you forge through research and understanding. It isn't something that you should feel because once you just feel it, you stop questioning it. You stop logic is no longer the issue at hand. It's about emotion. And I don't think these things should just be treated with emotion. We have to be logical. Absolutely. You know? Not. And I think a lot of the ways that people are are responding to these things is through, yes, a lot of people feel emotion about their home country. That makes sense to me. But the emotion of someone on the outside not understanding and wanting it to feel their emotional understanding of themselves is dangerous. I'm in the exact same boat when it comes to feeling like I don't belong. I feel like in under certain circumstances, I don't belong on the political left of the US. Other times I feel like I don't belong with the Cubans that are leaning right mm -hmm. uh, because they think I am a commie asshole. But yes, I don't feel like I belong a lot of the times. Right now, especially, I feel like I'm in this really awkward place that I truthfully just want to run away. Mm -hmm. There's something inside of me that's just like, delete every single app, run away, don't read comments. I mean, even, even as a white Cuban, I feel like I don't belong. Mm -hmm. Because I've even had situations where Afro-Latinos, Afro-Cubans do not consider me to be Cuban, do not consider me to be Latina, that I'm taking up too much space. And while I can empathize, because I am not one to, to tell them how to feel about white people as a whole, and their experiences are valid. And I try my best to learn and understand their point of view. But at the same time, I'm just, I am existing in the skin that I am in. And I am aware of my privilege as a white Cuban. And so with my privilege, I'm not just, again, I, what am I going to do? Throw myself off a cliff? I'm, I'm <laughs> cease existing. That's not an option. I'm going to continue to do what I am doing but always be mindful of, of bringing other people up with me to mention the names of Black creators, Black Latinos in the industry, provide them opportunities, include them in my scripts. That is what I aim to do. That is what I've done since I got out here. I am, again, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. So it's just... I'm constantly in this weird identity crisis, but it's not yeah. going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. Jenny, what can we do to help Cubans right now? What, what can our listeners do to help? The number one thing is to amplify Cuban voices on the island. Because I know there's a giant rocomango happening right now with the Cubans in the U.S. We're all incredibly divided and... I could see how that's confusing a lot of my non-Cuban friends because they hear one thing from a progressive liberal Cuban and then they hear another thing from a conservative Cuban and fuck this. You know what I'm saying? Like I look, I love my fellow Cubans here in the US, but this ain't about them. It's not. This is about the Cubans on the island. And so that's why um, my friend. Alex Fumero, who's one of the creators of the Huarte Miguel documentary on Netflix, who's Guano, he created an Instagram account, and also it's on Twitter. It's called the Cuba Amplification Project. On Instagram, it's Cuba AMP, Cuba Amp. And we are 
working with people who are translating and subtitling videos that come directly out of the island that are in Spanish so that people could see firsthand what it is that the people of Cuba are going through right now and what the Cuban people on the island want right now. Not Pepito who lives in Hialeah, not Martica who lives in Jersey. No, these are the voices of the Cuban people. Those are the people we need to focus on. And right now I see a lot of arguing. This is not about us in the States, baby girls. It's not. No, no, no. Absolutely not. And I think that that is the best way to also show our friends on the left, the liberal left here in the States that, okay, you don't want to listen to us because of X, Y, or Z. You got to listen to the people that are there in the front lines and you cannot question someone that is going through it while you have a bird's eye view. So with all this in mind, Jenny, I want to tell you that like I... I feel what you're feeling and a love for your country and your identity. You know, it real privilege is if you'd never had to question it or if you never had to fight for it or fight for the people that also have it. And this is just part of the responsibility that you have. Even though you didn't, you probably didn't choose it. You are mm-hmm. taking it with a lot of stride. How my mom would say, es muy elegante. <laughs> I mean, it's what it's the responsibility that a lot of Cubans right now have, especially if you have a significant following. Cubans on the island are literally begging us in the States to use social media to get the word out because news outlets are doing a terrible job. And it's really up to the influencers, truly. Uh, Social media is their number one weapon right now. And they also don't have access to social media. They you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of these things. It's a truly silenced and cut off part of the world. It's really difficult for those people to find the courage and the way and the outlets to send what they need to send. Yeah. I mean, again, I just implore people to please follow, do your research, follow actual Cubans, especially Cubans on the island. Read your information from true Cubans, especially Cubans on the island. That's what should matter. That's it. I wonder how many Cubans on the island say embargo. They probably all just say, hi, I'm hungry. Can I please also have an opinion and not be jailed for it? Like, you know, they want freedom of speech. Yeah. They don't want to be incarcerated and fined due to criticizing the government. Like they want to eat. They want to feed their families. They want proper health care <laughs> amongst many other things that they're not given. This is, again, a humanitarian crisis. I don't give a shit if you are on the left or the right. People are dying. And if you care so much about the struggles of people of color, you might want to look into what's going on and, and stop blaming everything solely on the U.S., I mean, this is and again, this is a marathon, you know, this is not going to be resolved overnight, but I do have a little bit of hope in me because again, this is the first time that this happens in decades and I see something, I see something happening and as much as, as easy as it is to be pessimistic, I'm trying to be hopeful. So I, I love that. 
I, I, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful as well. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.